Hey, hey, everyone, this is Dan, the GM, bringing you episode 148 of What the Dice. Now, we're still right in season two, and if you head on over to our Discord, which you can find on our Twitter or on our website, you can put in your name suggestions to add to our world, which means that if we select it, it gets put in the primer with a call out to you, which means you get put into our world. And it would be super exciting for that to happen for us and for you because it's always great to build a community and a story with more than just my players. Other than that, if you are a podcaster or one that has their own show that is in the TTRPG community and you want to hang out with us, join our Discord. We have a section just for podcasters because we want to do collabs next season and that's where we're going to post all the information before Twitter. That's it. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you get on with this week's episode. I love you all. You all are amazing for joining us each and every week. Have a great episode. This is 148. I'm Dan the GM. This is What the Dice. And let's get on with it. With spring fully in swing, the birds and the bees are out in force. The hunters from the Adventurers Guild have decided to start helping with leatherers and other armorsmiths to get leather, selling the meat to the local grocers and helping this city grow. We find ourselves helping out at the docks, helping the seafaring adventurers load and unload. The storyteller seems to almost always be at the docks. He seems to know every captain and every crew. As night falls and the campfire has been lit up, we sit on the beachside with not only the storyteller, but several captains. And they have shared tales. And the storyteller pulls out the book and all falls silent. Well, 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 me friends, it seems as if not only you and I will be speaking and sharing our story, but friends of old. Well, the adventurers have found Everest and a lich. Both run a strange cave that trains young adventurers to be the heroes of tomorrow. After speaking with Everest and the lich, it seems as if they have an ally that could use the adventurer's hand. A strange man known as Kazimar, who has lost his mana to the strange, corrupted Fae. The adventurers must find this man and help him if they are to find a way back to the mainlands. Sit back, relax, and hear me tell. In the last episode, you guys were tasked with having to go and get some information from a strange man that Everest has sent you to help with. Apparently, he's having some kind of problems with his manner, and he needs someone to go deal with it. 
Upon arriving at the tavern where you were told he would be, you meet this strange man. And we ended the episode with Kalila walking up to him. Kazmar, I presume. He looks over at you and gives a slight smile as he raises a glass to his lips and begins to drink down the thick, dark red liquid. And he gives a slight nod. Yes, yes, I am Kazimar. He stands slowly, setting the glass down. Uh, let me guess, you have come to stake me through the heart. No, 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 you don't look like occult hunters. Mm. Well, you're not armored to be paladins, so you do have my intrigue. What is the bounty on my head, and what do you wish to do to my body to cleanse the world of evil? I wasn't aware we were cleansing anyone, are we? Yeah, I, I wasn't... Are you in need of cleansing? I do have a, 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 a pouch of ever-flowing water if you need a bath. He smiles, and... Give me a perception check, both of you. Perception. Oh God, we just we just leveled. I had my perception memorized. Now I don't know what it is. Twenty-nine. Thirty-nine. Both of you notice that his canines are elongated and sharp. His skin is slightly pale, and his eyes are slightly inset. And you get this foreboding feeling that lingers in the back of your head for just a moment. Both of you have heard rumors of vampires, but probably not come across them. It is clear, based on what you've learned from the random miscellaneous haunted stories that you have been told around the campfire, or with the Fibulus's cases, the books of vampires that your parents scoffed at, that this is a genuine vampire. But he is out during the day. Well, he does have an umbrella, so I guess that makes sense. She goes, I'll inquire about the vampiriness later. We were actually sent by, what was it, the Lich and Everest to help you with a problem? Well, yes. It's, how are my adventuring friends? Are they doing well? I hear that they have set up shop here. Uh, well, they run a looking at Defibius, what was it, a training dungeon for children? Yep, and they offer candy. Yeah, they did offer candy. Probably for the children, but they seem fine. Uh, one of them's uh, undead, and the other one's a lich. Well, yes, that, that did happen during our adventure. Now remember, if you ever do come across a binge that offers you a wish, they do tend to twisted in their own twisted form but that's neither here nor there please please sit if you've come for work i do have a few things that i do need one of which is i need assistance in re obtaining my home all right what happened to your home well i live in a very small manor just outside of town it seems as if when this strange, accursed darkness started to corrupt the world around us, it seemed to have affected the Fae more than anything else. 
though the beauty of the withered trees around did give my home a interesting look and my servants seem to have been less energized ghouls that do only have so much strength in them mind you but this darkness seemed to have drained the magic from their essence and the fae themselves have become blackened and corrupted and normally one of my power can deal with a trifle of fey without a problem but when they come in force and they plant their queen in my throne and destroy my coffin it makes it very hard to rest when need be so i've come here called a few favors from some old friends and i'll be staying in inn in the inn until I find a way to deal with them. But if Everest is saying you are coming to help me, that would be the best way to help. Sounds easy enough. Or at least straightforward enough, I should say. <laughs> ah, to be young and brash like that. Those were the days. Kalila has that momentary mouth open, gonna say something, and then just doesn't. No, no, please speak. Speak freely. It is very hard to offend someone of my age. Oh, no, it was just a matter of the, yes, I might be young and naive, but the things that I have seen. Mm. Ah, but I never did say naive. I said brash. Yeah. He does have you there. He does. I didn't think I was brash, but I would consider myself naive. Hmm. But here's the thing. If you were naive, you wouldn't be alive or as strong as you are. Naivety tends to lead to an early death. Brashness tends to lead to an early death if you do not have the skills to back them up. All right, that's fair. Just so where do you live? Ah, well, if you exit town, heading down towards the beach, and then you hang and move towards the east following the sun, you will find a clearing of blackened weeping willows that move by themselves. There you will find my manor. It is very small and quaint, but it is mine. From there, you will just have to get rid of a few key points. The Fae have set up strange blackened crystals that give them extra strengths and then you will have to defeat their queen or drive her out or however adventures nowadays decide to do things now in my day mind you i would just slip up behind and skillfully place a dagger between the lungs and pierce the heart just right do we need any keys he does a flourish with his hand and he produces a black key. It looks like it is made from finger bones and the bones of a rat skull. A small rat. Not a ratling, but a ratling, like a rat rat. He goes, this is the uh, key to my home and to all the doors there. It is the master key, so to speak. 
interestingly enough, that's not going to bother uh, Kalila because she's a hunter and deals with bones all the time. So it's more of a, huh, pretty key. When you touch the key, it has this heaviness to it, like it is made from some kind of metal. Would you like to investigate further or would you like to have Defibulous investigate further? The comment of, huh, heavy, and look at it and then hand it to Defibulous, so she will at least give a quick examination. Okay. Defibulous will take a look at the key too. Alright, give me perceptions. Perceptions. 41. 48. Delilah, you recognize that it is made from an iron, something dense and normally not found in the possession of vampire. Iron tends to ward off uh, spirits. He looks at him and goes, iron? He goes, yes, I do wear armor or clothing. He holds up his hands and you can see that even though his skin is pale, when you look at his hand, he is wearing gloves that are the same coloration of his skin. Defibulous, when you take a closer look at it and you start to notice that there is some kind of strange blue veining upon a closer inspection, you notice that this isn't just regular iron. This is cold iron. This key is, matter of speaking, very expensive to manufacture, craft, however you want to word it. But it also, again, is designed to fight off spirits. Hmm, impressive. Cold iron. He nods. He goes, well, before my time, I was a adventurer like many of them around here. I was a specially adapt to staying to the shadows and slipping daggers between ribs and making locks not to be locked. Neat. But you may take the key, and when you are done, I will be waiting for you here. Is there anything else we need to know about these? You said it was Fey. Yes, that they are Fey. Corrupted ones that are around the village. Uh, they are. They're not just standard Fey. They are also a mix of Fey and Pixie and pretty much anything that is small and magical seem to have been corrupted. They do not look and do not think like their uncorrupted counterparts. They are feral and bestial and tend to attack in packs like rabid animals. Like wasps that have found their eyes on a target they wish to remove. Good to know. She'll look over at Defibulous and see if he has any other questions. Mm, so you want us to get rid of the, the queen, the ghouls, the corrupted fae, and not level the place in the process, right? He gives a light shrug and he goes, well, if it is leveled, uh, I will just rebuild. I have much time on my hands and it may be time for me to remodel a bit. But there are the crystals that you will have to deal with. Magic doesn't seem to work on them. I have thrown many a fireball at them, and they do not even singe. So I'm assuming that they need to be damaged in more of a 
physical aspect. If you had a dwarf or a someone who is more of a, a fighter, I would suggest a large hammer and a nice strike. But however you wish to destroy them is up to you. Just try not to damage too much of my home. I would like to return to it. She'll nod. Now my question is this, little adventurers. What did Everest promise you for helping me reclaim my home? She'll let uh, Defibulous answer it if he chooses to reveal that information, because that's his thing. He promised to give me something that belongs that belongs to me that he was in possession of and caring for, and a way home. We need to get to the mainland. And because all the shipping and travel has been shut down, you will require teleportation. One would presume, yes. We're assuming he has a magical means to get us. But we didn't really ask for the details. He just said he had a way to get us there. He nods. He goes, yes, we, we will be able to get you back to the mainland. It will be the beach of the mainland, but we will make sure that you are there. As long as we're on the main continent, that's all that matters. We can figure our way to the holy city in our own way. Well, then it seems that we have come to an accord. You remove my fey problem, and you can find your way home with my knowledge and skill. Just to be curious, are your fae resurrecting after you've killed them around these parts by any chance? Or do they stay dead? He thinks for a moment, picks up his glass of dark red wine, takes a sip from it, sets it down, and gives a light shrug. He goes, well, they tend to turn into a fine ash and just blow away. What happens after they return to their nest in that form? I am unsure. I'm under the assumption that because they have become corrupted, that the corrupted woods around them, if they are completely destroyed and turned into an ash, they are reclaimed into the darkness and they feed the darkness with whatever life energy they have left. That is my assumption based on what I have seen. I will nod. Hmm, well, that... Well, he looks at Clyde. How would you stop them from doing that? Doing what specifically? Well, they poof and go into ash and feed the bad stuff. How do we stop them from feeding the bad stuff? Sure. I mean, one would assume that you would collect the poofing, but that might be difficult and tedious. I actually have an answer for that. One moment. Hmm. He calls over the bartender who brings a slab of meat. He goes, now imagine that this slab of meat is the known world. Each fiber, each vein, each piece of fat is a city, a person, a tree. He touches the edge and it begins to wither and decay slowly with this strange disease slowly spreading the only way to stop the spread he produces a 
blade from his hip and slashes the meat and separates it as the decaying meat slowly just turns to this gelatinous black goo. He smiles. The only way to stop the spread is to remove the source. So, my dear adventurers, in order for anyone to stop this spread, we would have to know and destroy the original source. Yeah, that's why we need to get back to the mainland. Your source isn't going to just be in the heart of that forest. Maybe for the small fey infestation, but not ultimately into everything. Yes. Well, if you can destroy their crystals, that will weaken their grip on our area, and we might be able to reclaim pieces of the forest. Do you think they're using your manor as more of their main hub? Or do you think this is just a, so to speak, a outlying fortress when their main castle's in the woods? Hmm. I believe that they were, that they've destroyed their main forest or their main fortress. They're, the Fae believe in balance of nature. They, they tend to live in a tree and it's a generational tree. I am assuming that that tree had fallen to the corruption and had withered and rotted away, which means no home, no safety. Or if their tree is that connected to them, that's why they're corrupted. So if you uncorrupted their tree, you might fix the problem out here. Yes, but that is something that we might be able to deal with on our own. Right now, the Fae have these crystals that seem to be pulling magic from the world around it, allowing this corruption to get a deeper foothold. We can destroy the crystals, destroy the Fae, destroy their queen. I am sure the... He gestures to the city behind him or the town behind him. I am sure that the adventurers here have more than enough skill and talents to push the Fae back even further. Interesting to say that considering none of them have decided to help you. Do they just dislike vampires that much? Well, I was driven from my home and without my connection to my home and without a solid rest, I am as weak as a mere mortal. I wasn't saying you, saying them. Well, you would need a strong leader. The Lich can't leave his fortress and Everest for every time he gets injured or wounded, the heal it takes more to heal him. Me, a little bit of blood and a rest, and I am as good as the day in the next fight. I think you missed my point, but that is fine. We'll go solve your problem. Yes, that is what adventurers do. We'll look at the fibulous, shall we? Yeah, we probably should get moving. As you exit out of the tavern, you actually hear him call out, Mind the hellhounds, they are my pets. Do you have any treats for us to give them so they don't bother us? He reaches into his bag and pulls out several bones that are wrapped in what looks like some form of meat that has been cooked and bound together with pieces of leather. They tend to like these. There's four or five hellhounds. Toss them toss this to them and they will leave you alone. Thanks for the warning. Yes. Well, good luck and uh, may your gods protect you. 
look at Fibulas with a smirk and head out. Yep, not happening. <laughs> oh, what's a hellhound? A giant puppy. That's aggressive. And bigger than most. Why would you call it a hellhound then? Not just big hound, big angry hound. Uh, they're kind of demonic. Why not? I mean, everything else we deal with around here. Yeah. Who, who yeah. would keep normal dogs around, guard dogs in a time like this? They're like demonic dogs. That are like typically the size of a warg sometimes. Have red eyes. Sometimes they have fire effects around them. Depends on the hellhound. But people called them hellhounds because they looked like they came from hell. Because they're demonic. Eh, why not? But she will uh, follow the instructions, follow the sun, yada yada, go see if they can find the uh, the manor. Better to attack during the day than at the night. Following the directions that Kazmar gave you, you find a trail that the stones have been... The stones look as if they are polished obsidian and that they are chipped to be walking stones. The gravel underneath is a darkened red. Taking a closer look, it's stained with different types of herbs and it gives it this earthened smell like a muddy, a fresh mud pit, that, that smell just before the rain. As you look up, you see a two-story manor. It is, even to Defibulous's eyes, extravagant, especially for the area it's in. You see stonework and hard wood that adorn the outside. The trees outside are clean-cut and shaped to where you can see past them clearly, and there are weeping willows that are blackened and move as if they are living. As you approach them, the branches of the willows actually move out of the way, letting you pass without any problems. From where you can see, this is kind of the, the front area of the manor. I think we found the place. I would say we definitely found the place. Although I'm surprised, if it's supposed to be swarming with dark fae, I don't see any in the immediate... Uh, She's looking around to see. I know. I need a reflex check from everyone. (laughs) 35. 32. Both of you step out of the way as little arrows come whizzing by you and striking the ground, and you can hear a, a sizzle as they hit the stone. And you hear the chittering of small voices yelling at you. Do either of you speak? I speak Fay. So you hear insults and things of the manner of calling you all manner of insults, some of which are not repeatable in polite company. Well, that's rude to say. 
Lila's probably going to fire back some kind of insult about their mother smelling of elderberry or something. <laughs> and their father being a hamster. As you insult them, you feel something whiz by you as three of them sw fly in to engage. I think I made them angry. I need initiative. You just had to open your mouth and you just had to taunt them. Yeah, but it got them out of their hiding spots. Initiative 16. 26. I rolled like crap. I wasted all my good rolls yesterday. <laughs> damn, were they worth it? Yes. <laughs> Top of the round, the fibulous. What would you like to do? So I'm assuming they're beyond the point of reasoning with, right? Correct. Consider this the same type of thing that's, uh... It's probably the darkness from the Bone God corrupting them. Kind of like the goblins that we fought after the Cursed Swamp. But didn't we learn that some of them weren't all corrupted and they were just there because of problems? You can try, but I think you're just going to get tiny arrows in the face. The Fibulous will keep his rifle out. But see if he can try to convince them to stop their, their stupidity. Okay, roll. <laughs> what exactly are you saying? <laughs> roll your diplomacy, and then based on your roll, tell me what you say. So it's a total of 22. Okay. He's like, um, look, are you guys just corrupted and evil? Did you get chased out of your home? What is it? And can we discuss this without me having to put a giant bullet through you? Fibulous. One of them kind of slows down and not necessarily lands on your rifle, but floats just above your rifle, looks at you and gives you these big soulful eyes and then just starts to scream like, like a banshee. Hmm, I see your point. Well then, let me rebuff your, your statement with this. Is going to shoot it. All right. Roll the hit. I'm going to go nat 20 for that one. <laughs> okay, Pat. <laughs> nice. That poor little Faye. 69 points of damage to that little guy. Dang. Hey, Defibulous. Yes. That thing's bloodied now. Awesome. <laughs> Something that didn't die when I first shot it. Lila, you're round. There was two other ones, correct? Yes, there were. I'm gonna take a shot at the other two since that one seems well and endeavored in, in being bloodied. Do, 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 do. The first one is will a 30 hit the first one? Yes. Okay, and the other one I'm gonna presume hits because it's more than a 30. I think it's like a 40. Okay. All right. So with two fun arrows notched up in Kalila's bows and a thwack thwack. First one is a 17 points of damage. Plus, we will take three points of bleed. And then the other one is 24 points of damage. And they will take five points of bleed. Okay. Defibulous. The little fay that you have shot, their mouth unhinges and they let out a massive scream to the point of where your hair is going back and your 
ears are ringing. I need a fort save. 27. Okay, so you were able to cover your ears just in the nick of time to take partial damage from this ear-piercing scream. You take eight points of damage, sonic damage. Ooh, not fun. Bay number two. They were not happy that they were shot. So they are going to look at Kalila. One of the face flies up just up a little higher and all of a sudden her wings start to glow as there's a barrage of magic missiles that strike you. You take 18 points of damage. Last one. This one uh, starts to fly down low and begins to rapidly move her wings back and forth faster and faster just at ground level. And you are both getting barraged by a hail of sharpened stones. All right, two. I'm going to just roll once because it's a AOE attack. 29. That's on the money for me. Okay. And what about your compatriots? That would definitely hit Hugin and Mugen. And what about Divibulus? That's a hit. You both take six points of damage as a bunch of stones just come pelting into you. I took one point of damage. <laughs> yep. Came here. <laughs> nice raise of the shield and hiding behind her new armor. Yeah, my new armor. <laughs> my new armor soaked most of that. Fibulous, you're round. I don't think they appreciated us being here. Yeah, no, I don't think they appreciate anybody being here. Alright, first attack, I'm gonna shoot the, the blood, little bloody one that yelled at me. Okay. 39 to hit. That's a hit. 21. Describe your kill. Fibulous, glaring at it for being shrieked at, just puts the barrel right at the face and says, no more yelling now, and but fires. Kalila, Kalila, you're around. Well, Kalila got... I was going to say, I have more than one attack per round, though. Oh. Yes, you do. I... Yeah, I, for... I just realized that after I shot it last time, I'm like, I could have fired again. I think I can technically fire up to three times if I want. Because you have a, you have a clip now, yes. right? Yes, you can shoot twice, but you also need to count, make sure you keep track of that because it is a. Uh, you do have to reload it after you use it up, which eats up one of your attacks. Yeah, which is five shots in total, isn't it? Mm hmm. Well, the little one that just spat, fired rocks down us, I'm going to shoot at it. Okay. 39. That is a hit. Yeah, these things are within thir literally within 30 feet of us, right? Oh, yeah, they're right in front of us. Yep, I get to take an attack of opportunity, but I'll let you roll your damage, and then I'll take my tag. 18 damage from that shot. Okay. And then for my uh, target of opportunity, since it's within there, Kalila's going to fire off a very quick pot shot with a 37 to hit. That is a hit. And we'll deal. Yaka! Oh, not the greatest of damage. 16 points of damage, and it's still the Thistle Arrow, so another two points of bleeding. For that Faye. Okay. Kalila, Hugan Mugen. How bloody are these guys looking? Are they like getting there? 
Uh, or kind of okay. One looks kind of bruised up, and the other one looks eh, pretty healthy. All right, I am going to cast my grav bow since these things aren't popping as easy as uh, Kalila was initially going to think. Uh, probably because Defibulous got such a good shot off on the first one. A little deceiving. Which will eat up one of my rounds. And then I believe I get one or two, since normally I can attack three times. Uh, you would get two attacks. All right, then quack quack again at those two fey with a grab bow behind it. Okay. Ooh, that means two opportunity attacks. Yeah, so how many shots have you spent to fit Three out of my five. Okay. So I'd have to reload on my uh, next turn. Then will a another 30 and above 30. Hit and hit. All right, hit and hit. And then since it's my grab bow, I get to roll d12s for the first time ever. <laughs> Just go ahead and roll a bunch of ones. That'll be that'll be nice. Oh, you you blessed my dice and I didn't. Uh, the first one will take 25 damage, arrow damage, with three more points of bleed. And then the second one will take, hold on, man, I think, 23 points of damage with five points of bleed. And every arrow generates one point of bleed per round for six rounds. Okay. And do I do mine now or do I wait until the end of her turn? Nope, you do yours now. It's an immediate action. 34 on the first shot, 41 for the second. Hit and hit. 20 damage on the first shot, 14 damage on the second. Describe one of your kills. Keeping in sync with Kalila's shot, Defeatless will fire a side shot and kind of strike the little bugger right in the side and watch the bullet go through one side and out the other. Hugin Mugen. Yeah, the Hugins and the Mugens. Well, since uh, Hugin is good at doing leapy things, Hugin is going to do a quick jump onto one of the Fae and attempt a bite. All right. Hugin die. Now it's considered a melee. Good lord, his melee attack is cray cray. 38. That is a hit. All right. Let me find his bite damage really quick. Is it more than six points of damage? Yeah, his plus for damage is a nine, so. Yeah, describe your kill. Well, Hugin from behind Kalila does a quick spider like leap through the air pouncing on the fae, which is much smaller than Hugin, and just sinks its fangs into it. As the bite pierces through the flesh of the fae, it lets out a strange and eerie scream. And you all feel the pulse of magic as these fae just turn to ash and blow away in the wind. And that, my friends, is where we're going to call this week's episode.
Well, well, it seems as if the adventurers have chosen to take on the task from a vampire. Going to his manor to help him clear out the corrupted fae. They have destroyed his coffin, planted crystals, and they are the ones that must make it in. Get rid of the fae, the crystals, and help restore his home. Whom is this Kazimar? Why does he not have the power to do it himself? Well, hopefully the adventurers will find these answers and in the process help clear out some of this strange corruption that has infested the lands. Well, me friends, unfortunately that is all the time we have for this eve. As always, May the dice gods bless your every roar. We here at What the Dice would like to thank Paizo for creating Pathfinder, Epidemic Sound for our music, as well as Sirenscape for our sound effects. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so on Facebook at What the Dice Pod, Twitter at What the Dice Pod. And of course, email whatthedicepod at gmail.com. And if you liked our little adventure, please share us with your friends and rate and review us. 